This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Christian Family Church of Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com. We'll begin in John chapter 1. We're going to take several passages of the disciples to explain some things. Again, I just want to welcome all of you again. The reason that we celebrate Easter Sunday, it's, it's not about an Easter egg hunt. It's not about the eggs. It's not about the bunny rabbit. It's not about jelly beans. It's not about the ham. Some of you will partake in a little while. But it's about Jesus, okay? And so we're here to celebrate the resurrection of our Lord. And so let's just j- jump right on into the Bible and allow the Word of God to teach us today. John chapter 1, verse 29. The next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him, and he said, Behold the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God. Not a Lamb, but the Lamb of God. And one of the reasons that he says that, that if you go back throughout the Old Testament, that they were constantly, day after day, year after year, They were having to uh, sacrifice animals. There is no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. That's Hebrews 9.22. But they were constantly shedding blood. And so John is speaking a, a prophecy over Jesus and he declares the Lamb of God. Why did he say he was the Lamb of God? He goes on to say, who takes away the sin of the world. The word sin here means to miss the mark. It means a a wrongdoing. Now, when John says this about Jesus, it's a declaration that literally points to the mission of the Lord Jesus. He's speaking. This is what Jesus came to do. But also, it reveals his lordship here. Now, turn just a little bit to your right to John chapter 19. And we're going to go in there just a little bit farther. John chapter 19, verse 28. After this, Jesus, knowing that all things were now accomplished, the mission, the very thing that John prophesied him about, has taken place. That the scriptures might be fulfilled. Now, if you were here last Sunday... One of our main texts was the very first messianic prophecy that was found in Genesis 3.15. And it talked about God way back in the beginning. He knew that we were going to have to have a Savior. And even then the Lord said that there would be one who would be born who would bruise the devil's head. And so now you begin to see some things taking place that God is a fulfiller of his word. In other words, God doesn't leave his word unfulfilled. He still connects the dots. So it says that scripture might be fulfilled. And he said, I thirst. Now therefore a vessel of sour wine was sitting there. And they filled a sponge with sour wine. They put it on hyssop and they put it to his mouth. So when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. The work of redemption has been completed And the result abides continuously. It is finished and bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. So when you read this here, we were purchased with a price. 1 Peter 1.19 says that the blood of Jesus was without spot 
it was without blemish. And so Jesus became the perfect sacrificial lamb. But he said, it is finished. So when we read those words, what does that mean to me and you today? Well, I want to go to the book of Luke chapter 23. And the Bible will explain more and more as we go on this morning. But when you read about what Jesus did, this was the way that our sins could be forgiven. Actually, I should restate that this is the only way. There was only one way, and that was through the blood of Jesus. So as we start here in Luke 23, we ended on Friday night with what we call the tenebrae service. And I believe those images that many of you saw on Friday night should never leave us. But going up to where we're starting here, Jesus was beaten. He was slashed the 39 lashes upon his back. The crown of thorns was placed on him. And then we pick up right here what took place in his life. Luke chapter 23 verse 32. There were also two other criminals led with him to be put to death. Now, when you read that statement right there, it's very easy to overlook that. But the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 53 verse 12 said this, that Jesus would be numbered with the transgressors. So now again, we begin to see the fulfillment of Scripture that was prophesied way, 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 way back. And so he's led out with two criminals, verse 33. And when they had come to the place called Calvary or Golgotha, there they crucified him. And the criminals, one on the right and the other on the left. Now, when we talk about the crucifixion, it was the most horrible and it was the most painful death ever devised by mankind. That when a person was crucified... The nails in their hands and their nails in their feet. That's not what would kill them. What would kill them was they would ultimately suffocate because they couldn't get enough breath in them. And so now we begin to see that Jesus would be crucified. Why? Galatians 3.13 says, Cursed is everyone who hangs upon a tree. And so there was a curse on every one of us as mankind And so when Jesus hung on that cross, he literally was saying, I'll become your curse. The very curse that was upon your life, he said, I'll take it. Verse number 34. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And they divided his garments and cast lots, and the people stood looking on. But even the rulers with him sneered. They ridiculed him saying, he saved others. Let him save himself. If he is the Christ, the chosen of God. So we see over and over that he was slandered. But every time that he was slandered, he blessed. Every time he was persecuted, he endured. He kept going. Because remember, he had a job to finish. Goes on to say, verse 36, the soldiers also mocked him, coming and offering him sour wine and saying, If you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. And inscription also was written over him in letters of the Greek, to the Latin or the Romans, and to the Hebrew, the Jews. This 
is the king of the Jews. This is the king of the Jews. And so what Jesus does right here, it turns the world's wisdom upside down. Verse 39. Then one of the criminals who, hang, who hung blasphemed, hurled insults at him saying, If you are the Christ, save yourself and others. One translation says, So you say you're the Messiah. So you say you're the Messiah. Now this was what one of the criminals said. So we get to this part before I get going. And now we have to ask ourselves this question. Then who actually is a candidate for salvation? Who actually here today is a candidate to receive what Jesus did? Verse 40. But the other criminal answered, rebuked him, saying, Do you not even fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? You're under the same judgment. You're under the same penalty. And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. We receive the due rewards of our actions. You know what this one criminal said to the other? He was literally saying, we're guilty. The New Living says, we deserve to die for our crimes. Now it's interesting that this criminal understood that he was guilty of a crime, that he deserved death. See what happens with every one of us in this room? We all deserve death. But that's where mercy comes in. And mercy says you don't get what you deserve. And so this criminal who's on the cross himself, he says we are actually going to get what we deserve. And at the end of verse 42 he said, but this man, he has done nothing wrong. He was without spot. He was without blemish. Remember, he was tempted with the very things that we're tempted with, but he never sinned. Verse 42. Then he, this criminal, said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, many that day that witnessed this, they thought this was the end of Jesus' not only his life, but his rule. But this man, a criminal, a sinner, right here, his faith sees beyond the present. And he begins to see with the eye called eternity. And right here with what this criminal says, he says right here, there's life beyond the physical death. There's more to this than how I'm living for the moment. And isn't it interesting here that this man, he begins to see this when he's faced right here with his death. Now watch how Jesus responds to him. And Jesus said to him, the criminal... Surely I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. 
Jesus didn't look at the guy and say, dude, you don't know what you're talking about. When you die, it's over. No, it's interesting that when he said, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And and Jesus responds and says specifically, today you'll be with me in paradise. So who was the candidate for salvation? I want you to think about some things that Jesus just said right there. He didn't look at him and say, listen, Jack, you got to get yourself, your stuff together. You don't have time to get off the cross and go and earn salvation. He didn't look at him. Now, this is a good one right here. Now, I'm not downplaying what I'm fixing to say. But he didn't say to him, you've never been water baptized. You got to get off the cross and get water baptized. No. When this guy says to him, Lord, Jesus says to him specifically, today you'll be with me in paradise. So who is the candidate for salvation? We go back and we look at this man who began to say this in front of Jesus, I am a sinner. He acknowledged he was a sinner, and he acknowledged that he was deserving of death. And then you know what he does? Right there on the cross, his last few minutes or hours of life, he confesses Jesus as Lord. And Jesus says to him, I'll remember you today when we get to the kingdom. You'll be in paradise with me. And so as I begin to look at this right here, I put myself in this equation. What if today was your last day on this place called earth? See, we have this notion in the society of America, everybody's going to go to heaven. That's not only scary and a dangerous thought, it's a lie. If that was the case, then why would Jesus have gone to the cross like he did? So now we keep reading here in verse 44. It was about the sixth hour or twelve noon, high noon. And there was darkness over all the earth until the ninth hour about three o'clock. And so from noon to three in the afternoon, it gets completely dark. You know why? All of nature begins to mourn the death of Jesus. In verse 45 it says, Then the sun was darkened, and the veil or the curtain of the temple was torn in two. And often we see that and we think, well, what does that mean? Well, in the Old Testament... When they came into the courts of the temple, the courts were for all people. The holy place was only for the priest. And the most holy place was the place where only the high priest could go in once a year. But when Jesus died, the curtain was torn back. And you know what it symboled for me and you? Now every one of us in this room, not only can we acknowledge Jesus, we can go into the very presence of God. Revelations 1.6 said, he's made us kings and priests. 
That's what this is talking about. Verse 46, And when Jesus had cried out with a loud voice, he said, Father, unto your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. It's finished. So when the centurion, the Roman military officer, saw what had happened, he glorified God saying, certainly this was a righteous man. Many translations say right here, surely this was the Son of God. So I'm going to ask you today, how do you view Jesus? Do you view him just as a man? Do you view him as a prophet? Do you view him as a priest? Or do you view him as Lord, the Son of God? See, every one of us have the opportunity to, to make that decision. So now I fast forward just a little bit to help us to understand this. We know through the Bible here it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. The Jewish custom is the Sabbath starts on Friday night at sunset, close to 6 in the evening. Under Jewish custom, they had to get him off the cross and they had to get him in the tomb. And so they had to hurry. They only had three hours. So we know through the story of the Bible, Jesus is now put in the tomb. So from 3 o'clock on Friday till early Sunday morning, what was taking place with Jesus? The Bible's very clear. Matthew twelve forty says, As Jonah was in the belly of the well for three days, the Son of Man, the Lord and Savior Jesus, was in the belly or the heart of earth. So when you read the scripture right there, understand this, that not only did Jesus take your place on the cross for your sins, he literally went to hell for every one of us. And I don't know about you, you should have shouted on that. How do we know that? Colossians 2.15 says, that Jesus disarmed principalities and powers. He spoiled them. So now we go all the way back to what I highlighted earlier today. That we read about it last week in, in Genesis 3.15. Was the first messianic prophecy. And it said there would be one who would be born. Who would bruise the devil's head. This was the Lord Jesus. You know, throughout eternity, the devil's going to go around with this bruise on his head. And that was because of what Jesus did to him. And so Jesus destroyed the works of darkness. He made an open show of them. So now we come into Sunday morning. So to understand what took place Sunday morning, go with me to the book of Matthew, chapter number 28. And understand, Jesus did this for every one of us. Every one of us. Matthew chapter 28. Verse 1. Now after the Sabbath. Now remember the Sabbath started Friday sunset. It ended Saturday at sunset. As the first day of the week began to dawn. Now it's Sunday morning. The sun's coming up. Mary Magdalene and the other Mary came to see the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, a severe earthquake, a violent earthquake that got everybody out of bed, I imagine. But this wasn't the first earthquake of the weekend. 
The first earthquake of the weekend happened Friday at 3 o'clock. The death of our Lord and Savior Jesus. But the resurrection of the Lord is introduced with another earthquake early Sunday morning. Now watch what happens. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. And he came back and he rolled back the stone from the door. And he sat on it. Now the stone wasn't rolled away so that Jesus could escape. All right. The stone was rolled away that it would be a witness to believers he's risen. So if you notice right here, it says this angel showed up. And he sat on the tomb. Now this is what I picture right here. I picture this angel sitting on the tomb with kind of a smile or a smirk on his face. And he's looking at the tomb and you know what he's doing? He's mocking death. He's looking at death and he's saying, you're not what you used to be. Actually, you're not what you used to be just a couple days ago. And so it says, the Bible says, oh, death, where is your sting? And so when I read that now, that put great hope within me. That puts great comfort within me, knowing. I may die physically, but I'll never die eternally. I'm going to spend somewhere eternally. And so we keep reading the passage here. Early Sunday morning and the angel's countenance was like lightning. His clothes white as snow and the guard shook for fear of him became like dead men. But the angel said to the woman, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here for he is risen. Matthew 16, 21, the Lord Jesus told the disciples, in three days I'll rise again. Matthew 17, 23, the Lord Jesus told the disciples, I'm going to die, fellas, but I'm going to rise again after three days. Matthew 20, 19, he told them the same thing. And now we begin to see the fulfillment of exactly what Jesus said. So he said, he's not risen, for he is risen as he said. That word there, as he said, we cross-reference it back to Matthew 12, 40, which said, he was in the belly of the earth for three days. But no more. The grave and hell couldn't hold him. And so when we read all this, we have to ask ourselves this question. So what does that mean for me? Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He died for our offenses. But he was raised to life for our justification. The word justification means he, he acquitted us. He pardoned us. I don't know about you, but I'm glad he pardoned me. You say, why are you glad? Because I was a good sinner. And I thank the Lord Jesus. He came and took care of that for me. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 57. But thanks be to God. Who gives us. Who gives us. The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. The New Living says it this way. He gives us the victory over sin and death. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So I go back to even what took place with the criminal. What took place. I confess my sin before the Lord. The word repentance means not only to confess my sin, but it means to turn from my sin. I got one passage left here today. And we'll end with this. Go to the book of Revelations chapter number 3. Revelations chapter 3. You know, in my late teens, I was a mess. And I heard the story about this. That a man had never done anything wrong died for me. And I remember asking several times, why did he die for me? He died for my sin. He knew my only hope would be through the Lord Jesus. And something happens when we begin to to receive Jesus as Lord of our life. It changed my perspective incredibly. And so again, I encourage you. And don't ever forget what Jesus did. I think it's very healthy for every one of us in here that those images that many saw at the Tenebrae service on Friday night, they stay with you. The blood, the beating, the crucifixion. And oftentimes people will say this. Well, salvation's free. It's not free. There was a huge price that was paid for every one of us. Revelations chapter 3, verse 5. He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments. Now listen real close to this phrase. And I will not blot out his name from the book of life. The book of life is known as the Lamb's book of life. And he says, and I will... Confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now again, he said, I will not blot out his name. And so as I begin to look at this, we go back to the criminal in Luke 23, 42, who said, Lord, remember thee the day you enter your kingdom. And so right here, when we see this, He said, and I will confess your name before the Father. And so what he's literally saying that the ones that are names are written in the Lamb's book of life, I will confess your name. Now let me ask you. Are you registered in heaven? See, if you've got a driver's license, you're registered with motor vehicle department. You're legal. And oftentimes we find people that before they get married, they register at certain places. A baby shower, they register for certain places. But the big question today is, are you registered in heaven? Because the Lord knows those who are and those who aren't. And in Revelation 17.8 and Revelation 13.8, it specifically says there will be some whose names are not written in the Lamb's book of life. Now if you've come to church here very long, you've heard me say this numerous times. There are no grandchildren in heaven. Just children. Because you can't be grandfathered in. 
And I thank God my mom and dad are here today. And my mom prayed for me and prayed for me and prayed for me. But she couldn't make the decision for me where I'm going to spend eternity at. I had to do that. Now I stand before you today and I can look anyone in the eye in here and say, if my life expired here today or tonight and I checked out of here, my name would be written in the Lamb's book of life. Why can I say that boldly and with confidence? Because I have confessed that I am a sinner. I still confess that I'm a sinner. But I also acknowledge Jesus Christ as Lord of my life. And I thank you, Lord, that not only have you saved me, you've forgiven me. And my name's written in the Lamb's book of life. Now I'm going to get in your business a little bit, okay? Because I love you. If you can't boldly declare what I just declared, you may have to do inventory in your heart today and say, where am I at today, Lord? Where am I at? I've been blessed at times by the Lord to see just little peaks into heaven and I've seen peaks into hell. I don't desire that any of you go there, okay? But I can't force you to make this decision. It's up to you. God gives us the will to do that. And so now we begin to see what Easter Sunday is all about. The resurrected Savior. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlubbock.com.